Welcome to the Farmers Weekly Podcast. This episode recorded on Friday the 8th of May 2020. It's the 75th anniversary of VE Day Victory in Europe. I'm Farmers Weekly Chief Reporter Johan Tasker. And I'm Hugh Broom. In this week's podcast, oilseed rape, a break crop at breaking point. What are the seed breeders doing to help farmers? Dairy farmers could get £10,000 each in government help to see them through the pandemic. We talked to an MP who says the current crisis highlights the importance of UK food security. On the markets, grains are lacklustre as some breeding sales get underway at auction marts. A Welsh vet explains how he's taking extra care to avoid spreading coronavirus when TB testing cattle. And shave or rave. We talked to the sheep shearer who had an unexpected visit from the police. We find out why. The Farmers Weekly Podcast. But first, farmers and grain store managers face a critical shortage of dust masks ahead of harvest because demand has soared due to coronavirus. The NHS needs them, of course, but the problem is being made worse by the general public buying them up. Here's Lincolnshire arable farmer Andrea Pettit. I just think it's a bit crazy um, why you can't get hold of them. I mean, I push up in the shed and I, I'm in a telehandler, fair enough, the door's shut, but as soon as I get out, the whole place is just covered in dust. If I'm not... Um, I mean, I used to do it without one years ago and, my God, did I suffer on my chest. <laughs> There's no way I do it nowadays. Yeah. Um, so I need a mask on at all times when I'm pushing up in the shed. Now, fair enough, it might be three weeks of the year... But there's other things like when we're around the grain dryer, um, that's outside. It's obviously, well, it's under a, a grain a barn that we have, and it's absolutely awful around there. When you're tipping things into the grain dryer, you need a mask on all the time. So we can easily get through 30 or 40 masks. Um, I know it doesn't sound a lot, but ju- that's just for one person, you know. So there's two of us on the phone, there's myself and my husband, and, and we just need them, and it's like absolute madness. Some grain traders have managed to get hold of supplies, but only sort of. Simon Wilcox, I'm manager of the UK grain origination business for Safitra Limited. We tend to keep a reasonable supply at our main stores, so we're comfortable at the moment. Uh, and I have spoken to our supplier, and whilst they don't have the FFP3 mask, which is the standard mask that we use, they do actually have a stock of Chinese equivalent, which they call the KN95, and they have data sheets to show that they are they conform to the same standards as our FFP3 masks. Now, more masks could be on their way, but you'll need to move quick. Here's Christian Dunham of the farmer-owned AF Group. I have a network of suppliers I've been talking dust masks to for probably every hours every day for the last six weeks. It's been well, been my life for the last few weeks getting these things. Uh, and yes, this is a short answer. Yes, I've got a supplier who has P2 masks, FFP2s, now, well, my hesitation around it is um, it's not as simple as saying that we have masks and the, you know, the NHS don't because there's, there's so many different grades of masks. Yeah. So normally, normally most farmers in the, have always used FFP3 masks. Now, P3 mask offers the highest level of protection of disposal masks you can get, okay? They are, they are the masks that my medical people want. So that's the, that's the type of mask that the NHS want because they are the, 
you know, the highest level of protection. Um, and farmers have tended to bought them because you can put them on and you know that you're protected or almost. And, you know, I am paraphrasing there slightly. Um, so the P2s are not of a spec um, suitable for the frontline medical, hence we're able to get hold of them. So but for basic farm work, P2s are absolutely suitable. Okay, so you managed to get hold of them. How difficult was it to get hold of some? Or to it's source an absolute nightmare, an absolute nightmare. Um, most stock coming in has already been, you know, bought out by people or stock that is coming in is in such small quantities it's almost irrelevant because by the time it lands in the country it's gone so it's taken a long time and the stock we're talking about now is only now becoming available so early may mid may is when we're expecting the bulk of this stuff to start coming into the suppliers so your advice is to farmers is to make sure that they're getting them from a reputable source not just absolutely right yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I mean, the, num- the number to look out for is a, a CE approved, an EN149. That means they're approved for, approved for use within Europe. There's actually a huge amount coming in in the middle of this month. So roughly 800,000 masks are expected into the UK. It sounds like a huge amount, but if a huge conglomerate decided they need a load, that could, that could be swallowed up very, very quickly. And the other concern is if, if Boris Johnson and the government suddenly say that, yes, we're going to relax restrictions, but we expect people to wear masks when they're going out and about, demand is going to shoot up even more when members of the public are trying to get hold of these things. There you go, Hugh. This is a problem that's not going to go away. And the Health and Safety Executive says farmers should wear appropriate respiratory protective equipment for dust-generating activities. And that's not just uh, working with grain dust. That's also working with things like poultry dust as well. So um, it's a problem that's not going to go away. No, it's not. And I spoke to 3M which is the huge global conglomerate that makes masks, amongst other things. They gave me a statement. They basically said that they're obviously flat out producing lots of masks across the whole of the world. Um, Since January, they've doubled their production of N95 respirators to 1.1 billion per year, and they'll double again to 2 billion within the next 12 months. Um, They're urgently trying to expand their production. Uh, One thing they said is their manufacturing is generally local for local. So in the case of the UK, all their products for the UK pretty much are made in Europe. And they also sort of told me that they tend to prioritise supplies to the most critical needs and areas, which is effectively code for saying, you know, it's the likes of the NHS, understandably, which are going to get orders first uh, behind everyone else. And he said, the big, as you said, and, and as the guy from Anglia Farmers said there, the big worry is if the government suddenly says, hey, you can use public transport again, but you all need a mask, then they're just going to fly out the door. So it's really worrying as we head into harvest. I think the frustration among farmers is that uh, farmers, of course, are designated key workers too, so they need these things. And the HSE, the Health and Safety Executive, says that they will not temporarily reduce standards of protection. So in other words, you're going to have to have one. Uh, It's a necessary control measure to comply with the law and reducing protection would put workers at risk of ill health from exposure to hazardous substances. So if you can't get hold of one, you're going to have to consider doing the work in a another way that significantly reduces the risk of exposure, which, of course, is not always going to be possible. No, it's not. And But then the reality is nowadays, it would be fair to say that most people on farm would want to have one on. Um, we know the outcomes of you don't have one on, um, as your contributor said, that really affects her. From my personal experience, without a mask, it's horrendous. It catches up with you the next day. So we're going to need them. Look, we're just going to have to keep an eye on this. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a rolling thing. And hopefully we've got a month or two to get things squared up, although people will be starting clearing out grain stores now. And obviously they're always emptying grain stores. 
uh, right throughout the whole of the year, and that creates dust. So we just have to keep an eye on it and uh, hope that sufficient supplies are there. The Farmer's Weekly Podcast. This is the Farmers Weekly podcast. Welcome along. Now, turning our attention back again to dairy, it's something we've been talking about for several weeks because there's been a lot going on there with all that's uh, happening. Uh, the government announced on Wednesday that they would finally make some hardship payments available to dairy farmers. The grants of up to £10,000 will be made available to those that are in need. However, details on how you get the payments and, and how it all works, the application and, and what you need to do and and what qualifies you for the payments are still pretty scarce if you look on government websites there's not much detail so lots of people across the industry waiting to see what the detail is johan dairy uk have also announced something this week as well yes you both these announcements uh, came on the same day the other announcement was that uh, the ahdb the agriculture and horticulture development board and dairy uk and defra have teamed up for a new one million pound dairy marketing campaign which is going to be a 12-week promotional campaign uh, starting next week to focus on driving tea coffee and milk-based drink occasions as they put it to increase human connections during this challenging period of the coronavirus pandemic basically what they're saying is they want people to drink more milk at home and this campaign is going to appear on social media digital and for the first time in more than a decade on uh, on tv too and uh, as well as the farming industry campaigning for this mps have been pushing for it as well and we spoke to keithley mp robbie moore who along with other mps has been conducting an inquiry into the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on the UK food supply chain. This is what he had to say. If you look at everyone that's going out on a morning to go and get their Costa coffee, their latte, their um, cappuccino, and all of those outlets are suddenly shut, uh, that's a huge sector of the fresh milk market that is now no longer there. So the dairy sector was is, is uh, is, is still a concern and we've been p- pushing uh, the DEFRA team to look at bringing out mechanisms to try and provide some additional financial support to uh, to those guys. And longer term, one of your questions today in the evidence session related to amendments to the agriculture bill. What are you looking for there? Food resilience is absolutely key. And and what I uh, would, would like to see is making sure that right at the heart of any government policy, food resilience from food production at home, i.e. in the UK, is absolutely at the heart of that. And that it has the ability to have it value added to that food. And it um, has the ability to add substantially to the GDP of this country. I would hope that this this inquiry that the EFRA committee is doing at the moment may add some weight to further thinking um, of the agriculture bill, because this is now the opportunity to do that. So we understand that the agriculture bill returns to the House of Commons for the final reading on Wednesday next week. So we'll be covering some more on that uh, in our next episode, uh, finding out what's actually in it uh, and also what amendments and what's actually been changed. So it'll go to the Commons next Wednesday and then, of course, it'll go off to the House of Lords. Uh, so we'll keep across that. Also, Johan, did you know on the subject of milk that your average out-of-the-house, i.e. coffee shop coffee, has about 120 to 150 mils of milk in it, whereas your average cup of coffee at home 
only has around 20 mils of milk in it. There you go. We'll have to be uh, drinking more cups of uh, coffee at home or, or if not, more, uh, more milky cups of coffee. Hence the need for the marketing campaign. And what was the wording used in there for those intimate meal occasions or something? What did it say? Yeah, they, they, they the... referred to uh, milk-based drink occasions. There you go, that increase human connections. Yeah, that are a beautiful thing. There we go, some real snappy language there uh, to get. But look, really important. Look, let's hope it works and uh, people up there, 20 mil to their 150 mil. Next time you're talking to someone whilst they're at home, make sure they go on the 150 mil side. Hi, I'm Philip Cosgrave, Yarra Grassland Agronomist. And with the grazing season underway, our attention turns to selenium. It's a key nutrient to optimise your herd fertility. And to ensure the levels in your grass are adequate, you can use a fertilizer fortified with selenium, such as Yara Mila Stock Booster S. Turning our attention to second cut silage, if we're looking to calculate a nitrogen application rate for second cut, we should use the rule of thumb that the crop will require two and a half kgs of N per hectare per day. And we should also account for the nutrients that our manures are contributing. If you require an NPKS product, and S is particularly important in second cut silages, you can use Yara Mila Silage Booster. For more information, please go to yara.co.uk. Now it's been a horrendous two years for oilseed rape growers. Seed breeders are offering money-back schemes to compensate farmers if the crop fails, and they include schemes from RAGT, BASF, Bayer and KWS. I asked Farmers Weekly Eastern Region correspondent Louise Impey to explain how they work. It does reflect their willingness to support the crop at such a difficult time, and I think they are recognising the pressures that growers are under by trying to share some of the pain it certainly isn't all of the pain but some of it with growers they are doing their bit and i think it is important to say that the breeders will actually be hit in the pocket if a lot of people do claim back some money on these schemes they are very aware that that growers have gone through two horrendous seasons really with our seed rape establishment and, and there are two things that have caused that. The first is one that we've all heard a lot about, and that's the cabbage stem flea beetle. But the other one, which has probably been just as important, has been the weather. And when you don't have soil moisture at all seed rape drilling time, you are up against it. It's a very small seed, and to get the crop growing away quickly and escaping the uh, the pest, you do need moisture when you drill. So what's the reaction been from growers then? What's the take-up been like? A lot of the breeders have just launched their schemes for, for this coming year. Some of them had schemes last year, and the take-up was OK. I suspect it'll be a lot better this year. But one of the breeders told me that, that they've sold around 900 hectares of oilseed rape through their payment scheme and of that growers had claimed on about 40 percent of the area and i understand that not all breeders are doing this Uh, some breeders are taking a different uh, approach Uh, there are some different offers out there can you explain those broadly speaking that the schemes are very similar each breeder most breeders have launched one they don't cover all their varieties for example they tend to specify 
the varieties that they're happy to give money back on. There is an exception to that. BASF is actually backing all of its in vigor obviously grape varieties, I believe. But there is one breeder doing something very different, and that's that's Lima Grain. They actually have got no current plans to offer an all-seed rape establishment guarantee. I think that's important because they have got a very strong all-seed rape portfolio at the moment with the top-yielding conventional and hybrid varieties. As they said to me over the phone the other day, we think that the genetics speak for themselves. DSV have got a different scheme as well. They're sort of they're supplying seeds in larger seed, seed bags at no extra cost. Essentially, growers will be getting, I believe it's around 20% more seed than before. So the bags are bigger and they contain more seeds. I think they said they reckon that move is worth about £50 a bag as far as the grower is concerned. It means that uh, you can put more seeds on in the hope that they will, or some of them will establish and you will get a good crop. You mentioned earlier on that uh, we've had two horrendous seasons for oilseed rape establishment. There are farmers sort of moving moving out of the crop and not growing it again. Do you think oilseed rape is uh, is still here to stay? Is it as important to break crop as it was? That's such a difficult question, Johan. I mean, really, it's a break crop at breaking point at the moment. One of the really key things that growers are battling with is that it's actually external factors uh, rather than crop genetics that are determining whether you have a success with the crop or not. I'm not sure. I think a lot of farmers this year will make a very last-minute decision. They will see whether there is any moisture, and they will also see how their current crop yields because they're not expecting great things from this year. So I think they'll go right to the wire with whether they drill oilseed rape again or not. There are others that are saying, no, they definitely won't be drilling it, and actually they need a sort of coordinated regional break from the crop in order to reduce the pest load and, if you like, press the reset button. But I think the weather will have quite a role on whether they do or don't drill. That's Farmers Weekly Eastern Region correspondent Louise Impey. And there's a 19-page special in this week's Farmers Weekly looking at oilseed rape varieties and choices. We'd like to thank our sponsors KWS for this episode. They've just launched Cereals 360, which is a virtual crop tour of all their key cereal and oilseed varieties. It's easy to use on the web, tablet or mobile, and provides all the key expert information you would get from one of their open days. To take a look, visit Cereals360.com. The Farmer's Weekly Podcast. Coming up, we talk to a sheep shearer who had an unexpected visit from the local police. But first, time for our weekly markets roundup. Hugh, tell me about cattle prices. Uh, cattle not too bad this week, actually. Last week, it sort of dropped back a bit and it was pretty lacklustre. This week, it's not amazing, but actually... With everything across the board, both live weight and dead weight on cattle, everything with the exception of heifers has gone up, albeit by sort of between three and and sort of as little as a penny, as much as uh, three pence on young bulls. Cows are doing very well. Some cows, O minus four L's, up 8.2 pence dead weight across the UK average at the moment. Uh, If you look at that, uh, cows across the board up 5.7 dead weight. Uh, On the live weight, they're up about 1.8 pence, according to the 
the HDB figure. So cows doing well, lots of uh, demand for mincing beef. Also, HDB sources say that there's some evidence to suggest that some of the steak, everyone was obviously really quite concerned with the amount of expensive cuts of beef that just weren't being sold because food service hasn't been open. Uh, some evidence suggests that that mountain is slowly being eaten through. Uh, certainly lots of retailers now uh, really promoting it hard. So some reasonable numbers there uh, on the beef market. At the moment, the sort of uh, GB average on steers is 337.6 this week. And what are the numbers like for sheep? Sheep, not too bad either, actually. Uh, it's scary, isn't it? Two bright bits on the market. Now, last week, um, new season lamb came back quite a lot because uh, numbers coming onto the market uh, pretty much went up by about 40, nearly 50%. Uh, this week hasn't seen such huge numbers. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, live weight and dead weight uh, new season prices ha- have gone up. Uh, new season on the dead weights uh, averaging the SQQ at 5.23 this week. That's up six and just over 6.5p. And on the live weight, uh, the average SQQ is 257.4. That's up 12p on last week. So new season lamb just slowing up. Um, old season on live weight's gone back by about uh, two and a half, 2.7p. Those were averaging 207 in the marts. And on the dead weight, uh, old season, 473.8 is the average this week. Uh, that's up 10p. The numbers forward uh, for slaughtering actually back by about 19,000. Uh, it's about 167,000 gone through this week. So it, it, it basically, I suppose it's come down. Perhaps people are busy with other things as well. And you always get that surge of new season lamb comes onto the market. It pushes the price down. Then everyone backs off. Well, this week was the week everyone backed off. So uh, next week, we'll have to see what happens there. And for grains, what are they doing? Uh, pretty lacklustre, really. Wheat went down on average two quid a ton feed wheat. So this week it's at 145 a ton. Uh, barley 121 a ton, down two quid. All seed rate averages 303. That went up by 2p. And uh, diesel, is it still time to grab a bargain? Well, do you know, I was feeling, I had a moment of smugness when I was uh, going through these numbers earlier on uh, because this week Red Diesel averages, according to the Farmers Weekly, average figure 36.9 pence a litre. So that's up just over a penny. Last week it was 35.2, uh, which is when I happened to buy a load of diesel last week. So uh, I'm on the right side of the deal. We've actually seen crude oil go up, actually. Uh, the uh, Some of the, the West Texas uh, price has gone up, um, albeit by sort of, well, it was at one stage, it was minus $40 a barrel. Uh, It's now up to about $20 a barrel. So uh, it's starting to edge up a little bit, perhaps as other parts of the world think about going back to work, or perhaps they just couldn't take this having to pay to store it, or they've slowed production right down. So it's creeping up. But look, diesel's still really cheap because a year ago, it was 57.6 pence a litre. And we're going to talk to a, a sheep shearer later on with an interesting tale to tell. What's the uh, what are wool, wool prices doing at the moment? Well, wool's had a bit of a it's a bit of a one of the casualties of the whole COVID nineteen thing, and it's probably mainly because the Chinese demand was so massive, and it's been so massive for for over a decade now in terms of the amount of wool and raw material that China has sucked in, and obviously that's sort of slowed right up as well as global demand on everything from carpets to all the other things that are made out of wool has slowed down, and I'm 
unfortunately, we've seen for the last three months or so, uh, the wool auctions uh, have just come, the, the values have come back, 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 back. Uh, and not everything has been sold as well, in some cases, with half the wool being unsold. So uh, the bottom line is, I'm afraid uh, this, if you're farming sheep and you have had a reasonable clip checks uh, for the last couple of years, expect your check to be somewhat less this year uh, than what it has been for the last few years. That's the markets. And uh, I understand you've also been looking at changes in the auction marts. Yeah, we have. Um, the marts have obviously remained open throughout the whole thing and done a fantastic job in doing so, albeit under some really tight restrictions. And it's been quite difficult for a lot of people as well uh, because it just has not been business as usual, but there has been some business going on. And that business seems to be starting to expand. So just from going from the sort of fat sales, the fat cattle, uh, the fat sheep and the coal sales, uh, moving now into some breeding sales, which is quite good, uh, and some, some milking cow sales as well. Well, Farmers Weekly Livestock reporter Michael Priestley, I spoke to him earlier on and we started by talking about these changes to sort of market practices and what impacts that has had. People are a bit nervous about the drop and go policy, not being able to see stocks sold, but it seems to be working well. Uh, for example, the trade for sheep with lambs at foot, that seems as strong as last year. Demand is being supported because grass has come early. Actually, if anything, it's a lack of rain that's holding it back now. Um, so that's helped demand. Cool you trade is firm and that supports um, prices for when people are buying sheep. People are obviously confident that lambs are going to be needed later in the summer. The added benefit is that lambs have grown really well. The first cross sheep with lambs are making about 65 to 75 pound a life at, at the good end you know chiviots are making 60 pound a life and more some marts are seeing averages ahead of last year and ahead of slightly ahead of before the lockdown it's very positive on the dairy milker side one or two sales maybe looked a little bit a, a little bit short of strong prices this week but it's it's silage time down in the west midlands and, and the southwest so the best commercial heifers seem to be hitting about 1800 pound but maybe some of the shine has been taken off the trade by some of the difficulties farms have been seeing with whether it be price reductions or being told to produce less milk that's Michael Priestley, Farmers Weekly Livestock Reporter there. Hi, it's Joe Ford from Massey Ferguson. Dependability and reassurance are key right now. Massey Ferguson are working hard to ensure that your business continues to run at maximum productivity. With a full line of quality, cost-effective and award-winning machinery from tractors to grass equipment and a dealer network spanning the UK and Ireland, providing service and after-sales 24-7, we're here to support our farming community. Find out more at masseyferguson.co.uk or find us on social media. The Farmers Weekly Podcast. Now, farm leaders have welcomed news that calves under 180 days are now temporarily exempt from bovine TB testing in unrestricted herds. The latest exemption applies only where testing cannot take place safely under the current COVID-19 restrictions. Vets can also request backdating this measure to the start of the lockdown on the 23rd of March. Tom Drakeup is from the National Farmers Union. Throughout this process, it's about being ensuring that the health and welfare of farmers and the vets doing these TB tests is absolutely front and centre. And, and I think it's, it's excellent that DEFRA are, are recognising this. Clearly for us, it's about upholding you know, the robust parts of the TB eradication programme, ensuring that we, you know, we continue that alongside offering some flexibilities to ensure that the, the safety of farmers and vets 
through this really, really turbulent time. As the NFU, you know, there's still a lot of work to do. We'll continue to be calling on DEFRA to provide further clarity for other parts of the TB programme particularly in breakdown herds. Welshpool dairy farmer Fraser Jones said TB testing calves was always a challenge. TB testing is a massive issue for us, and I don't know how, how we could TB test without breaking the two-metre rule. The only way you could possibly do it is by putting an ulcer on every cow. You know, you're basically tripling the time that would take to do a TB test, you know, and creating more stress for the animal, which, you know, isn't great. I also spoke to Mid Wales vet Oliver Hodgkinson, and this is what he had to say. I quite like being self-sufficient at the front of the crush. So actually, for me, it's fine because I'll, I'll, I'll operate the handle of the crush and I'll be clipping, taking ear tags, measuring, etc., etc. And I don't have anybody at the front of the crush. But for people that aren't doing the crush, it's a lot more of a problem. You've got to have one one side of the crush, the other the other side of the crush, and everyone's just got to be very aware. When, when the vet steps towards the crush, the operator steps back. I mean, calves is very difficult to do. You know, I've got one farm, he's got a fantastic calf crate, that's ideal. Whereas other farms, farmers generally do hold them. So if we think we're at risk, then we're just saying, look, we're not going to do these calves at all. The Farmers Weekly Podcast. And finally, a team of sheep shearers had an unexpected visit from the local police when they were carrying out their duties in the Cotswolds. It seems somebody thought they were playing music rather loudly. Here is Sam Powell, who's part of the shearing team. Well, we were shearing by a very busy footpath down the Cotswolds, and there was a lot of people walking by on a, it was obviously a very busy footpath. Um, and people were just stopping by, taking pictures and just looking at what we were doing. And obviously someone reported us because we had the speaker up quite loud, as you do when you're shearing. And then um, the police come up and wondered what we were doing because they thought we were having a bit of a party. You cranked it up a bit. What were you listening to? Well, anything really, from ACDC to the latest. Sometimes we have a bit of dance and then sometimes we have a bit of rock and roll and then some of the old classics then, so... I must have come as a bit of a shock when the police turned up, especially with the coronavirus restrictions. Well, yeah, we're still there. It's very early on in the season. This was our first day. This was shearing. Um, yeah, the restrictions are a bit of a nightmare, but you can only abide by them within reason. There's like a lot of people using hand sanitizer, wash their hands frequently. Obviously, there's no Kiwis in the country, so we'll probably have more sheep to shear, which is good news for us. Um, obviously, the advice is to travel separate in separate cars to and from places or vehicles or trucks. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, it depends how it pans out, really. It's going to be a funny one because the UK relies on 20% of the sheep being shorn by foreigners, like either Kiwis or Aussies. So, yeah, obviously, it'll be up to the British people to do it this year instead of people coming in from abroad. So, I mean, more work for you, but it's not, I mean, it's not the sort of job that people can just pick up and do that easily. It's not like fruit picking, for instance, is it? Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is like, a, it's a skilled, yeah, it's, well, it's a skilled um skilled job really so what did the police say sam um i didn't deal with them but they didn't see they didn't really say much to the farmer by the same things they just came out and said oh we can see what you're doing and just left us to it so they were very good to be fair there you go here the police get a lot of stick for uh, not responding quickly <laughs> to uh, things that are happening in the countryside and then they uh, turn up really when they're not needed just because um some some passerby thinks uh, some music's too loud <laughs> there's a rave going on in the shearing trailer i tell you the dreaded sheep shearer music my sheep hate the radio when we used to shear sheep whenever the shearer put the radio on they just wouldn't go out the race i don't think it was because they didn't like shearing because normally they go out the race and it was a nightmare and the, the faster and more dancey the music got the 
the more my sheep didn't want to go out the race. They 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 preferred the sort of easy listening end of of, of the market. So you weren't like you weren't like Sam then. You didn't uh, you didn't go for the old ACDC. <laughs> they wouldn't have gone. They wouldn't have liked the ACDC at all. No. Well, that's it for this episode of the Farmers Weekly podcast. Uh, you can, as we said last week, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, the world's biggest podcast directory, so you'll never need to miss another episode. If you like what you hear, do give us a review. And remember, we're also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you might choose to listen to your podcast too, including fwi.co.uk. Just search for the Farmers Weekly podcast. And don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us, you can podcast at fwy.co.uk that's podcast at fwy.co.uk right coming up in next week's farmers weekly podcast we take a visit to the outer hebrides where crofters are growing lemons and olives in polytunnels we'll also be talking about the new agriculture bill as it makes its way through the commons heading towards the lords all that to look forward to i'm farmers weekly chief reporter johan tasker and i'm Hugh broom Thank you for listening.